welcome to another exciting and, you guessed it, jam-packed episode of Modern Day Philosophers. I am Danny Lobel, still Danny Lobel, though I'm always changing and evolving and morphing. That's usually from weight loss and sometimes, unfortunately, weight gain, but also morphing intellectually, spiritually, comedically. Well, this is my show, Modern Day Philosophers, and today I have on an old friend, Jamie Kilstein, who I started doing comedy with when we were both just wee lads, back when Jamie and I were just out there in New York City trying to make a life for ourselves, telling jokes, slinging them at strangers and seeing what worked, you know? And uh, as I mentioned in the episode, I was quite enamored with Jamie when I first met him. I thought he was a cool guy. I thought, this is a cool guy over here. Look at this guy. He's so cool. And then as I got to know him, I found out he was actually quite a sweet and sensitive guy. And as time went on, our paths seemed to move in different directions, and we lost touch a lot, and a lot happened for me, and a lot happened for Jamie, and Jamie sort of distanced himself from the comedy world and made all kinds of moves that probably weren't the best, and uh, I made plenty of bad moves myself, so I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to tell you that I guess as much as I've complained about how things have wound up for me over the episodes... And I probably shouldn't. I should have been more positive. I guess things wound up a bit worse for Jamie, to put it mildly, because he has been exiled from the comedy world and now looking to get back because he was accused of some sort of sexual misconduct, which I still find vague when I look into what it was. And this is a, a timely episode for the situation that we are living in right now in society where... People are getting accused and dethroned and exiled left and right. The Harvey Weinsteins and the Dustin Hoffmans and the Louis C.K.'s. And I recorded this episode with Jamie uh, just at the beginning of that, when it all sort of started to happen. And I think his timing probably couldn't be much worse or better, I don't know, to come back. But... My assessment of things is I don't think he did anything so heinous or wrong. I could be wrong, but that's what I came came to when I looked into it. In fact, it's quite vague what happened in his case, and you can research it yourself. But more than that, I always believed in second chances. I I pray for second chances for myself and for every one of you. I think that people... You know, there's a point when you say, okay, well, that, that's not forgivable, and that's a prisonable action. That person should pay a debt to society. But when there's something that we're like, oh, I don't care for that, I don't think that means you should rip that person away from everything they've built and everything they love forever because you don't approve. It's such a weird time we live in because on the one hand, I think, well, you know what? This is a great time. Society is finally interested in morality. We're really interested in it. We're not turning a blind eye anymore. We're saying, you know what? We value good. We value the good in people. And we will not tolerate the bad. It's beautiful in that way. Think about it. It's like society has evolved. And on the other hand, I don't know if it's always for the right reasons. Because I think sometimes... People are just 
eager and desperate to tear down other people. And that's kind of heartbreaking. And you go on Facebook and everybody's like, who, who are we destroying today? You know, what, what's, the, what's the new evil person? I need somebody who I could feel good about by comparison. I don't feel so great about me. So who are we attacking today that seems worse than me? Instead of improving yourself, sometimes people are, are quick to look for something worse to feel better. And I kind of wish that I'd go on Facebook someday and people would be like, all right, today we're building up this person. Look what we dug up from eight years ago on such and such actor. It looks like he went to Burma and did acts of charity. We just uncovered this. Let's uncover some positivity. It shouldn't all be about burning people down. It should be about building people up too. And once people have been torn down, I don't think that should go on forever either. Life is hopefully long, and people deserve second and third and fifth and twentieth chances. Within reason. I think people can learn from their mistakes, especially after being scolded on the internet by a mob. For crying out loud, Jamie was uh, suicidal. I called him after it happened just to check in on him and uh, let him know I cared. And he told me that that was... uh, something that meant a lot to him, and he was in a very dark place. And unfortunately, not enough people did do that. I, I'm really grateful that I did. I was wondering, is it appropriate? Are we close enough to do this? And I said to myself, look, I got to reach out to the guy. I care about him. And I mean, I'm really glad I did. And people need to remember that everybody out there is flawed in one way or another, and all these people are human. They're human beings. I talk a little bit in the episode how I stay away from politics. If there's something where you can take action, take action. And if not, omit positive light into the world. Every single person has the potential to do that. And I believe that if every person who walked around angry every day and just, I'm fuming about this this administration, if they just went around and improve themselves, and did good, kind acts for every single person that day, that would be enough to counter any negativity and more that's being brought into the world. That's my personal belief, and that's why I stay away from it. If I don't think there's something for me to do, I try to stay away, and I try to maintain positivity in my little bubble, and not get sucked into depression again, not get sucked into anger, but to try and be a positive force in the world. That's my position. All right. Well, that said, I get to talk to Jamie Kilstein today, and I'm really happy to have him on the show. And I've always thought, and I still think he's a very talented person, and people should hear him. And now, a word from our sponsor. What are you having for dinner tonight? Huh? You're going to bust open a box of macaroni and cheese? Uh, Maybe heat up an old slice of pizza? That's no fun. That's not exciting. But you know what is? Opening a box filled with delicious curated fresh ingredients, following some easy step-by-step guide that takes no more than 30 minutes with photos showing you exactly what to do and preparing yourself a gourmet meal. And that's what you can do exactly that by going to HelloFresh.com. HelloFresh, the company that is sponsoring today's episode, 
And they have decided to generously give all my listeners $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the promo code MDP30. That's MDP, the number three, the number zero. All right? It's very easy. You go online, you schedule your delivery, and if you decide, and I hope you will, and I think you will, decide to continue getting these deliveries to your house, and then you you wind up going out of town. Hey, it happens. Who knows? You could go on a vacation or something. It's so easy. You could just pause it. They will stop sending them, and when you're ready to continue, you unpause it, and like magic, they show up at your door once again, right there in insulated, wonderful, recyclable packages. HelloFresh offers a wide variety of chef-curated recipes that change weekly and three incredible plans to choose from, the classic, the veggie, and the family. I personally only eat kosher meat, so I tried out the veggie plan, and they sent me these unbelievable vegetarian recipes with plant-based proteins, grains, and seasonal produce, and I really enjoyed it. I had such a good time. It was fun. I made the meals for myself and my wife, and we enjoyed them. They were so good. I couldn't believe I'd made them. I was very impressed. I really enjoyed the meals. And not only that, they only take around 30 minutes to make, which is unbelievable. You can feel confident with simple recipes outlined on pictured step-by-step instruction cards. Try things you never thought you'd cook on your own and enjoy eating outside your comfort zone. It sounds like a, a George Carlin. Outside of the comfort zone. Hey, Folks, we all know what's inside the comfort zone. When you're eating inside your comfort zone, it could be quite good. But sometimes you want to get a little exotic. Of course you can. And don't worry about it. It was always right there for you. And maybe you'll find that your comfort zone wasn't that great to begin with. All right, anyway. Just go to HelloFresh.com and use the code MDP30. That's MDP, the number three, the number zero. And you will get... off your first week of deliveries. It couldn't be easier. Treat yourself for the holidays to the gift of delicious home-cooked meals delivered to your door. Simple. MDP30, HelloFresh.com. And this episode is also brought to you by our good friends over at Stand Up Records. Take a listen to this. Warning. Last year, over 40,000 Americans died in car-related accidents. Not a pleasant thought, is it? In fact, as thoughts go, it's downright depressing. Well, that's where we can help cheer you up. We're StandUpRecords.com, and we offer the finest in CDs, DVDs, downloads, and merchandise from the best comedians on Earth. Artists like Mark Maron, Maria Bamford, Eddie Pepitone, and Doug Stanhope. Available at fine record stores, Amazon.com, and the iTunes Music Store. That's StandUpRecords.com. Come on, listen to us while you're driving. Live dangerously. StandUpRecords.com. You can go and pick up Jamie Kilstein's CDs, our guest today. And without further ado, except, of course, for the intro song, I bring you to my talk with the wonderful Mr. Jamie Kilstein. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Modern Day Philosophers. Modern Day Philosophers. Having failed to pay attention in school, Danny Lobel, now older and wiser, will attempt to learn basic philosophy 101. Our young hero will be joined by today's top comedians, philosophers all their own. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Danny Lobel. Modern Day Philosophers. I got Jamie Kilstein here. Hello. An old friend of mine, a comedy comrade. If uh, if we can call it that, we can do that. Um, I met you 
many years ago, and now I don't know how many, but <sighs> over 10 at the Underground Lounge. Right. Danny McDermott's room. Yep. Um, oh, my God. I totally remember. That was like the first. I don't know if that was known as like a cool room, but to me it was because I that was the first like, I remember that being the first packed show I went to that wasn't at a club. Yeah. Um, I remember subsequently afterwards, every time I got booked, it was not a packed show. And I don't think I did well a lot. But like uh, the night I went there, like Marin and Ed Helmsworth, like Mark yeah. like brought me up there. It was like, let me show you this place on the. I was there that night. That was the night, right? I was the, there the night Mark brought you. And I immediately thought you were cool because you showed up with Marin. Yeah, but I was just kind of like cool by proxy. Like I didn't say anything to anyone. The point I want to get to is I remember like when you showed up at the Underground Lounge, mm -hmm. I remember two things. One thinking you were really funny. That's and, so nice of you, by the way. Like, and, and the second one being like, oh, this guy is is too cool. We're never going to be <laughs> friends. I was like, I never thought of myself as a cool person. Well, and several scandals later, here I am <laughs> at, your, at your table. I always thought you were cool. I always thought you were mad at me. I always thought you were like cool in that like, dude, is that the thing? Is just like me and you being super awkward in different ways. Does that just like <laughs> resonate as cool? Because like both of us, I think we're just kind of nervy and just didn't talk. So like you not yeah. talking, I took as like, because you also like booked a show and like that's like I like I I didn't know if it was like a power thing. And then like even like even like uh, when you reached out to like check up on me this year, I was just like, oh that's that's cool. I was like I didn't I didn't know if we were I didn't know if you were that good friends. You know what I mean? But like in a in a uh, a flattered way, not in you know yeah. Um, but yeah, I was not. Uh, I was not cool. I was desperate. I was like, "Mark, don't leave me. People need to see me with real comics, so I can get on stage." <laughs> it's so funny. Like you know, only you knew that. And uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, I always genuinely liked you. And and I booked these shows that you mentioned just for my own getting stage time. And I right. always book you because I, I always was like, "Oh, Jamie brings the cool." You know, not only were you funny, but I always thought. Putting Jamie on a show makes it a cool show well, in I my mind. And you that know? helped me, like knowing that like you liked me, um, like I feel like made me do better. Like I always used to eat a dick at um uh one of the shows that everybody loves. Uh what the fuck was it? Um, I forget what it was, but it was one of the ones that everyone loved. And it was like supposed to be cool, but because it was supposed to be cool, it was like yeah. me mean cool, mean yeah, I hate, alt cool. I hate mean cool. Uh and and I just maybe I just hate it because they'll never accept me. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, me too. Um yeah, fuck those guys. That's what every <laughs> comedy podcast is. <laughs> um we're still mad at the people who didn't book us. But no, I but and and the room looked like it should be my crowd, right? Like, mm. I mean, like it was just like fucking hip, liberal, Lower East Side people. And I was just like, I was just ended up being so resentful. And I was just like, I, I don't like any of you guys. I never did well. I never felt really welcomed. I, I, I just did so bad. Every, literally every show I did so bad. So interesting. Like I never mm. would have thought that, you know, the, the image I had of you in my mind is so different than reality. Well, I think that like to... The only thing I, I'm going to go with you on this just to make the conversation interesting, just so I'm not like, oh, no, I'm a, like, let's say you were right um, and that I was cool. I think that a lot of people's perception of cool is like, like I was, un, I, I, I wasn't liked and I didn't quit, 
And when I think about like all the people that I really like, all the comedians I really like, like you think about like why you like like Bill Hicks, right? And it's like, oh, well, he snapped on that crowd in Chicago and he, uh, you know, was was banned from David Letterman. And we tell those stories with such reverence, but like, imagine what Hicks was feeling that night. Like Hicks wasn't like, oh man, I can't wait 10 years after I die for that clip where I freaked out and started calling everyone cunts to go viral on a thing called YouTube, <laughs> right? Like you read the uh, New Yorker piece about Hicks the night with Letterman and he's sobbing in his hotel room. And I think that, you know, we look up to them as such icons, uh, but in reality it was just like, man, they were fucking struggling. So while I, I, I will fight you on the idea of, you know, being cool or whatever, I, I, I do think that especially for comics who constantly feel beaten down. Like there is something cool about people who are getting like beat the fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and at least attempting to keep going. I've definitely gone into that headspace for a while where there is like this mythology to these people. Yeah. And you're like, they're, they're counterculture. They're rebels. Yeah, yeah. They don't care. And I remember like something that Patrice O'Neill said to me that really influenced me and also kind of made me burn a lot of bridges for a little while. Yeah. It was just like, he's like, I once asked him because he was always so nice to me. He was, he, he was like, treated me like a younger brother. Yeah. And so many people had horrible Patrice stories. And anytime I would say how much I love Patrice on the other, there'd always be a few people be like, I hate that guy. You nah. know what he said to me and this and that. And I, I, I was I, always too timid around him to make enemies, but like same thing. The couple things he said to me, just cool. I yeah. just like stayed out of the way and like just kind of <laughs> just watched him. Yeah. Like, you know, and it was, it, uh, I, I would, I, I would totally agree with you. And this, so I once asked him, I'm like, you know, what's, what's up with that? The fact that you uh, push away all these people. Yeah. And he's like, <sighs> I'm going to do my horrible impression. <laughs> no, it's really good. I, I haven't thought about that. <sighs> I don't want them to like me. He's like, and, and I go, why dude i'm sorry that is a very good that's a legitimately good impression <laughs> okay so Thank, keep, well thanks he goes, he goes he goes but he basically explained to me that to the voice i'm kidding <laughs> he's like if uh i can well i'm gonna just say it because i don't remember exactly how sure. he worded this but he said something to the effect of like you don't know how funny you are if everybody likes you, if you know for a fact that these people don't like you and they're and they're still laughing in the back, oh yeah, then you're genuinely funny. That's yeah. what he was saying. He's like, it. He goes, I don't want people to laugh because they like me. I want people to laugh because I'm funny. And if I know for a fact that they don't like me and I'm still making them laugh, then I'm gauging that is how funny I am. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I that's that's so good. I, uh, I I've been thinking about that recently, like getting back into stand up and going into clubs because I played for a niche audience for so long. Yeah, and I wonder how complacent that made me. I think it definitely did when it come came to work ethic. But I wonder if I'll be like funny in front of regular crowds. I'm excited about it. Like I'm excited to like put work in. But yeah, when you're only playing to like people who like you or even worse in my case just people who agree with you mm -hmm. you know what i mean where it's like oh are you just clapping because like i you know i said something that can tick off like a political box or like was i actually funny maybe it was both um but 
I, I remember I used to like sit and like write set lists and I'm like, I guess I need an abortion thing because like I'm the left wing guy and I'm like, I don't have an abortion thing yet. And like, yeah. it's just not a good way to do comedy. I'm so excited just to like try to be funny. Um, Side note, Attell told me the thing that made me burn bridges. Those fucking seller guys just fucking with us. They're like, hey, let's give uh, these guys some fake advice. Uh, Attell uh, said, you either have a, a good show or a good story. And I was like, yeah, I like that. I mean, I'm sure a bunch of people have said that. Yeah. But I, I love the way that was framed. And then that was the same thing. Whenever I would be doing like, okay, not even bombing, like I'd be a C plus like I probably could have won them back I'd be like time to burn it all down <laughs> like Dave Attell told me and it's like that's not what he told me and, and of course you know we both heard it how we wanted to hear it too oh, it was course. it was definitely oh, yeah, yeah. We, not them we, it was we, us we, 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 yeah that's so funny we were like so burn it down they were like no 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 still try to work You're like, got it burn it down <laughs> thanks Mr. Attell <laughs> I know what comedy is now got it licensed to be an asshole yeah Thank licensed you. to be an asshole permission to bomb yeah, essentially what essentially how I heard that was every time you bomb, you're yeah. being cool like David Tell. Right. Like, but oh. it's true. You want to be cool and you want to be like a story. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I remember always thinking about Sam Kennison. I'm like, you know, I'd look at these guys who are like, you know, just preppy, like, you know, clean cut comedians that were just doing their bits really well. And yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I'd be like, these guys aren't what legends are made of. They're, These guys are just like, they're the ones you forget in the generation. Right, right, right. Like the, the ones you remember. Crack into are, some meth, pussy. <laughs> like, do something real. But, but it's like that darkness and you're like, they're crazy. They're legendary. They throw parties. They yeah. get wild. They're unpredictable. That's a comedian. Like, Dude, I still do that. I did that today. I did that like, because the times... I'm just trying to figure out who I am. But the t- the times that I would be like, I'm going to be the party guy, I like, I don't like being drunk. Like when I have the spins, I, I, I feel like a 15-year-old where the second the spins kick in, I just go, no, 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 no. And I'm, I'm like, I fucking, <laughs> I get so mad to be out of control. Um, And a lot of my, I feel like a lot of my best shows, a lot of my best, everything has been, has been sober. But even this morning, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm, I'm a comedian again and, and I'm going to do a podcast and well, I can't just be normal because like I was kind of sad this morning. So I'm like, oh, I'll smoke pot mm-hmm. before I do the podcast because that makes me like a cool comic. And that's what like edgy comics do is they like smoke weed before a podcast. And in reality, it just made me like a little stuttery the first 10 minutes. And now I think I've had enough coffee to override it, which by the way, I'm like, oh, I should drink coffee to stop because I, I smoked pot. I, I, essentially, I'm just trying to get to even. Like, I could <laughs> have trying do- to get back to yeah, where you were. In the I could have done nothing and saved money, <laughs> but I'm just like, well, if I do this, I have to do this to, to make me normal again. It's like, why couldn't I have been normal? Because I want to say I got high and did a podcast because I'm still fucking 16 years old, and that seems like the cool thing to do, right. as opposed to like, oh yeah, I was sober and had like a pretty good set. The new thing I got to work on a little bit, and that's, uh, that's not cool, yeah. right? That's right. not kidding innocent um but like yeah i've tried to be that guy where i'm like i feel like i did like that like naked show once in edinburgh and like used to like stay out drinking but i don't know man i also i i, I like waking waking up early and like journaling <laughs> you yeah know, like the, uh, yeah it's weird i remember realizing oh this guy is a very sweet guy a very shy guy a timid guy and i think what happened was 
um, and I can relate to it, was that you you built up or accrued insecurities. Mm-hmm. Like it starts with some insecurity, and then it piles on and on and on. And then you put up a wall, a persona, yes, to mm-hmm. to shield being like instead of because that's in a weird way, it's a, a sweet person's thing to do is to not be like to I'm not, not lash I'm out. Not, I'm not insecure. I'm mean. Right. It's weird because it's like I'd rather you think I'm mean than know how vulnerable I am and and how like easily damaged I could be. Yeah, which is so fucked up. Like. I don't I don't know what it is with humans like the the easiest solution to problems in a relationship or with friends or whatever are like both parties being like here's what I did wrong and like could have done better. You know what I mean? And it's like that sounds like the simplest fucking thing to do and people would rather die. They would rather die. They would just never just be like, "Oh yeah, I fucked up." Uh, Confrontation is so hard. And especially when it has to do with emotion. Well, the conversation ends up being so much worse because you're just sitting on this fucking resentment and refusing to believe that you were part of the problem. And so then, like, there's still going to be confrontation, but it's going to blow the fuck up as opposed to just being like, hey, dude, you know, and I know I'm like on a fucking apology tour right now um, and I'm in a relationship with a, a feisty cow and, you know learning to be like oh yeah i could have done that better Mm -hmm. or whatever it's like it actually feels good it doesn't feel like you're surrendering or giving up a fight like it feels super cathartic just to be like oh i can end this this horrible (laughs) tension and feeling like i have the power just to be like oh yeah that was the stupid thing i said yeah and then it'll be over and we can go back to just like hanging out like that sounds fucking incredible i don't have to like get like heart palpitations when i see you because i'm nervous and all i have to do is just like be like kind of cool and like you know, humble a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. fuck, man, that should be so. Everyone should like thrive to do that. Yeah, it's it's that sobriety thing. You're cleaning up the mess of previous Jamie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, that's seriously what I feel. <laughs> You're like. going around being like, hey, there used to be this guy who oh, looked just like me. I know, I, know. I don't approve of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bad, bad man. <laughs> but but really, that guy was just you with less years of experience on how to be in touch with your emotions. Yeah, can I tell you something? I sent an email. I feel like I've just been, every time I go to send an email and like other names come up, I see someone else I was a dick to and I'm like, better shoot that email out. And essentially I'm doing what you just said, reminding me, I'm doing the AA thing. I'm like making amends after being sober, but I'm not sober and I don't know, like I feel like I'm doing this like AA tour and if I had like alcohol to be like, I was a dick to you when I was drunk, that's like cool. That's like what a hardened cowboy does. You know, he's an alcoholic and then he makes amends to like the kids he he ignored or whatever. But I'm like, I don't have that as an excuse. I'm I, just like, a, was a, a, a douchebag. And so I emailed two of my old managers to apologize and I lied. I just panicked and I just lied for no reason in this email where I was like, yeah, so I'm really sorry for being a dick or whatever. And then I was like, I'm just doing the AA thing. Anyway, I hope you're good. <laughs> so that also means if they ever see me, they're going to think I relapsed because yeah. I will be drunk. <laughs> and uh, but, but you know what? I disagree. I think you are sober now. You're just not sober off substance. You're sober off ego. Dude. And I think that's so much of it. And, you know, leave it to the guy who does substances to be like, you know, pontificate about why that's okay and rationalize it. But I know, I, I preface, I know a lot of AA people that, you know, AA's completely saved them and they're wonderful people. And I would never, I would, you know, 
jump in front of a, a, a fucking, you know, speeding keg if it was going towards their mouth, you know, to stop them from drinking. But I will say that I also know a lot of people who have been sober for a very long time and who are fucking assholes, uh, who are just bad people who I would rather, I would rather them be drunk because I'm like, maybe you'll at least be a fun asshole because I think that there is a underlying personality that leads to addiction. And I think that if you, it's not just about, I know it's from my family, like relapsing over and over again. It's not just about like not taking this bottle filled with a certain liquid and like putting it to your mouth. Right. right? It's, it's like, what are the behaviors? What's that, going on inside that led there? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times it's narcissism, like hardcore. Like you get someone who's been sober for 15 years and they're still blaming their ex and they're still mm -hmm. blaming all these people. It's like, Oh, you still, it's, it's they that, didn't do the hard work digging around inside. They just stopped medicating in the way they were medicating. Right. But they are still medicating some other way which Verbally, could be psychological yeah you know? oh my god totally like um a lot of the ones i'm thinking of specifically who i love dearly but like i have to take breaks from are ones who will come to you like you'll literally call and uh oh, I, I called my mom <laughs> let's just let's just say that so i don't have to mm -hmm. keep stuttering around fake pronouns um i called my mom when i first got booked in australia and i was so excited because it was always my dream to go to australia and you know we're poor and uh and i was like mom i just got a gig in australia i think i was gonna play the sydney opera house with like i mean it was like big gigs mm -hmm. and right away without like skipping a beat and she's better now but without skipping a beat was just like well, I wish you were taking me to Australia. I've never been to Australia. And maybe if dad didn't, you know, leave with all that money and like blah, blah, blah. And it just kept going. And not only was it completely like, man, I'm like your kid. I just want you to say you're proud of me. Mm -hmm. But it also went into a pre-rehearsed speech where I'm like, I know beats. I know pauses. Mm -hmm. I know you've told this exact story before, probably today, probably to like a stranger who was checking you out at the supermarket. And so it was like, man, not only do you like not give a shit, but you're, uh, but you're doing material on you're me. doing bits, <laughs> you're doing fucking sad, sad mom alcoholic bits. Yeah, exactly. Are you, are you an only child? No, I'm one. I'm the oldest of five. Oh wow, which means four of them also got that bit. But I was sober for the last three years. Um, yeah, three years or so, and that's when I was at my most insufferable. Not saying that you weren't medicating. Yeah, you were basically off medicine. Yeah, but it's it's. But I don't even want to say that, right? Because like that's not an answer. It's like booze makes you. It's not like I'm drunk all day. Yeah, but it is an answer. I mean, it's just a way that you're dealing with a lot of feelings. Um, that now it seems like you're finally doing the hard work and digging around. Yeah. And, okay. Okay. I was scared you were saying that like it was medicine in the sense that like I would drink and things would be better. I just drink normally. If I, actually, a lot of times, if I'm having a really bad day, I won't drink because I don't mm -hmm. want to get that habit of like, oh, time to time for old medicine to go down the hatch. But I definitely, um, I thought that it must have been alcohol because it's in my family, or it must have been drugs, and so I I stopped doing that. But it just wasn't that. It was just like, oh, I was just a bad person. So then all that stuff came out even more because I think I thought I fixed it. See, I don't even think you're a bad person. I think that's too simple. It's it simplifies what was really going on. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say bad person um, either. I was, I was self, I was selfish. I was very selfish. Um, I'll say, I'm not, not, but not even on purpose. Like not like ha 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 ha. Just yeah. kind of like I just assumed my problems were worse than everybody else's. Yeah. And, you know, 
that that was kind of it, you know. Um, I was very attention starved. Um, Your dad, you mentioned, left. What was that? Uh, yeah, they got divorced. Well, he um, he he's so great right now. He just came out and visited and and met my girlfriend and hung out. And he he had like a really bad anger problem. And then she was like the boozer. And they naturally got like a divorce when I was in high school. And my mom still, she blamed, as a, t- as a teenager, I say this with love. Um, I'm not like trying to rat my mom out. I, I've never said this on a podcast. But my mom uh, like blamed me because the night of their last fight, before they got divorced, it was over me. It was because I wanted to go to a party. And my mom said, yes, cool mom. And my dad said, no sober dick and um so she blamed me she was like well you know if you didn't want to go to that party we went to gotten a divorce and i was like or it was your crippling alcoholism and the rage it inspired uh out of our father and so recently like maybe a year ago we were home and doing what big dysfunctional families do where we're just like laughing about like all of these like tragic stories and we're having such a good time. My mom's there and she's laughing too. And we're having such a good time. I and mean, we're talking about being arrested. We're talking about all this stuff that I'm like, oh, now, now's a great time to bring up this thing that scarred me for years. And I go like literally while we're laughing, I was like, hey, mom, do you remember when I was 16 and you blamed me for the divorce for like four years? And I went silent. And I swear to God, I was like 34. This is last year. She was like, well, if you didn't want to go to that party. And I was like, Jesus oh, fucking Christ, man. you are still holding still on, going to that. on, but also dry drunk stuff, right? Mm-hmm. where it's like that's that dry drunk shit she wasn't drunk when she said that but that is the behavior yeah. of an addict right but i mean this is horrible this is like got to be so damaging for somebody to even though you intellectually know that yeah, you didn't yeah. cause your parents divorce just the fact that that possibility exists in your mom's oh, yeah. mind is got to be very hard oh yeah well i mean that ties into all of my other i think my I think one of my biggest problems is just never not feeling like that fuck up because I was such a legitimate fuck up when uh, growing up and I was always the one who would like mess it. Dude, I started, um, you know, I started teaching jujitsu, which has really helped ground me um, and boxing. And my, my boss the other day was like, I like didn't do some like, like paperwork, which because that shit I'm still bad at. I'm a really good teacher, very bad at like the business stuff. And uh, he just took me aside to like talk to me and was like, "Hey, man, you gotta, you know, you gotta get on it with the stuff that doesn't have to do with teaching." And I literally didn't see it coming. Just started crying. I just said, uh, "Yeah, man, I'm just sorry. I just don't want to be a fuck up." And I started sobbing in front of this like big New York tough black belt. And I just started stopping. And he just gave me that like pat on the shoulder where he's like, oh boy, this isn't about me. Like this is <laughs> this is very deep-seated. And like literally every time I he calls me into his office now, even if it's for something good, I'll like start the conversation by being like, it's been an honor, sir. I just assume I'm getting fired, right? Mm-hmm. And always, I just am like, every time I get a text, like, hey, can we talk? I'm like, here it is, like getting fired. And, uh, and that will never go away. And I think that, yeah, the parental stuff. The, all, it can't go that. away. I, I want to tell you because I, this speaks so much to me. This, oh, good. I, good, I good, relate good. to this so much. And only, I think, this maybe last two years yeah. have I ever been able to accept, oh, I might not screw this up. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. Like, I, 
have gone through so much in my life and I've never talked about this and you brought it up and it's, it's just like perfectly verbalizing how I felt, but because of a lot of things that happened in my childhood, um, always getting kicked out of classes, um, being told, you know, there's something wrong with you. I had ADD before everybody had ADD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, me too, me and too. I think my dad thought that meant that I was mentally handicapped and, and he started relating to me that way for yeah. a while. And they used to force feed me Ritalin and I would Whoa. pretend to swallow it and then I'd Whoa. spit it out in the bushes. And and I, I started to feel like I was this. You're out tragicking me right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. And then I'd always get kicked out of classes and I developed this pattern in my head that I'm like, okay, you're a fuck up. You're always going to fuck up. You're always going to screw up every job. And yeah. I was screwing up all the time. And I was like, I guess there's no way out. That's just me. Totally. And, and and then and then uh, when it happens, you just go because it started happening in my career, like managers firing me, TV shows, stuff like that. And at, when it happens, you just go, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. that's of course that's, that's what what's going to happen. Yeah, not like you want it to happen. No, no, but, no, no. And you're not trying. It's not that the Hicks thing anymore. Yeah, you you, you just kind of gently accept it. Yeah, and and it's sad, and it does. And I and I felt that pain when you talked to me a, a second ago, telling me how you were crying with that guy, and I know that. I know those tears. Dude, I know that feeling. It was like, it, it, where you're just like, why, why does this have to? I know. I, well, I didn't even see it coming. Cause like, you know, when you're watching a sad movie, you feel the lump in your throat mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, I'm about to cry. That makes sense. This literally, I was like, yeah, man, I just don't want to be a fuck up anymore. It and then it was like, hurts. what the fuck is happening? Yeah. It just came out and it was so messed up. Side note, I want to do, we should do a show called like tragic battle and it's like roast battle. <laughs> but instead of going after each other, it's like, oh, your mom was an alcoholic. Oh, your mom was an alcoholic. <laughs> My mom made me idea. fucking drink when I was a kid. So she didn't have to feel guilty. What? <laughs> Tragic battle. Yeah. I'm crippled inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I can already think of some heavy hitters in the comedy That'd world. That'd be for so that good. Show. And like, That's yeah, so you, you could all have like, like stage names. Like it yeah. could be like uh, <laughs> the crippler of my inner demons or like whatever. <laughs> I want to, even if it's a one-off, I want to do the show in LA. We should do it once. But but you develop this thing and it comes from your parents a lot, but it also comes from yourself with your insecurities and and you develop this thing and you're like, I'm just a broken person. I'm never mm -hmm. going to, it can't work. I could try, but it's not going to work. And I finally got to a point after lots and lots of therapy and soul searching and uh, soul manipulation, I would say, <laughs> just messing <laughs> with my soul in different ways that I finally was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm fine. I can do this. Yeah. And I've been at the, a few jobs now doing different things and not screwing them up. And for a while I was amazed and I'm like, when is it going to, when's it going to end? Like, when's the ax going to fall? You know, when I'm, mm. when are these people yep. all going to find out that I'm a fraud yep. and that I, I'm not an actually uh, capable person. Yeah. And then I realized one day I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. That was all just insecurity that I believed as truth. And I am actually capable, as capable as anybody. And I have more intention now to do well than most people. Right. Cool, cool, cool. I don't think you're hearing me. We have to do Tragic Battle. <laughs> Even if it's just once a month in Los Angeles. I also need stage time. Let's make a show. <laughs> I really want to do this. I do too now. Um, okay, great. So we're going to do it. Um, okay, so yeah, I... Um, <laughs> I promise, even though I was like really excited and was sitting on that joke, I was listening to you. Yeah. And what that made me think of was, you know, I've kind of hit that point too, you know, like I rock bottomed out this year 
And and I've actually hit that point too. And I've done a, a ton of soul searching and like meditating and journaling and reading so much. I've been reading so much. And it's almost, I mean, I remember even in the super progressive circles I was in where it's like, like being confident or taking care of yourself is seen as like uncool. Like we've never really grown out of that. Oh, that kid's trying. And, you know, it was really interesting where I've been really, really, really focusing on like being positive and when shit happens, being like, what can I learn from it and and being confident. And, you know, I've started, I've started remaking myself same deal with like this, like positive, whatever I've started reading like four books a month, which is crazy because I would read one book a year, but Mm -hmm. I would always like tell people like I was like a reader. Like I always wanted to be that. <laughs> yeah. But I could like every vacation you could tell not vacation, every time I would go on the road, you could tell like how much potential I had by the amount of books I like brought with me or potential I thought I had, and then how much of a fucking failure I was, but because they were all unread by the like I would just open to a page in the airport and be like, I'm a smart person and then uh-huh. fall asleep. Uh or <laughs> but watch. it's interesting. You're really trying to craft and project this image of yourself. Yeah, and I didn't think I but the thing is I don't think a lot of people who do it, at least with me, I just wasn't aware of it. Uh-huh. I was just like what I wanted or what I thought I was supposed to be like it, it's not calculated you right. know what i mean yeah. like when you're in it i guess everybody does it to an extent everybody wants people to think they're this or that or yeah whatever. well it's high school you're like i'm gonna be the hat guy yeah I'm like i guess i'm just gonna try wearing a hat <laughs> and just see how that goes and like and and that didn't work it's like all right, right i'm the fucking birkenstock guy like <laughs> this is gonna change it like where's this gonna go and it's like no just just be just be decent it doesn't matter if you have a hat I mean, again, I was very depressed when I was in New York and very suicidal. Um, But, you know, why do you think I focused so much on that? Because when I talked about being depressed, I got a lot of emails that are like, you're great. Here are all the reasons why you're great. And you shouldn't be depressed. And you've helped me. And that is a fucking rush. That makes Mm -hmm. me feel really good. It goes away. But it makes me feel really good. Um, Whereas if I was just talking about, like, you know, killing it. People be like, you fucking capitalist pig. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think that, yeah, I think that's a bummer. Um, yeah, there aren't too many pats on the back for doing the right thing. And I've noticed that for, in comedy, like, it hit me once that I watched a show. Maybe it was at the improv here or something. But I was sitting in the back and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is just one comic after another having an audience celebrate the fact that they're not doing well in life. I know. That's such a, that's so sad. It's just like, hey, everybody, I'm uh, I'm on drugs, and everyone, yeah. I'm like, but that's get off them. And then the next yeah, yeah. guy, you know, is like a fat comic, and like this thing that I have a hard time with, always with with being an overweight person, uh, is seeing these fat comics go up there and totally deny their feelings on stage about being overweight. Just oh, interesting. To placate to an audience who wants to hear you make fun of it. Meanwhile, you've got an addiction that's killing you. Right. And and you're and you're so sad inside and struggling, but you're supposed to go up there. You know, Chelsea Peretti used to have this joke of like I wish I was a fat uh male comedian, then I'd just pull my shirt up and slap my stomach I and, that. All. And, I and, that and I remember that joke hurt me so bad because I'm like that's what they think we're supposed to do like I'm just supposed to like basically I'm an addict and I've used right. food instead of you know coke or something else which is as physically addictive by the way yeah like sugar is like it, legitimately it, like 
high level drug and much more available and affordable oh and and a lot of times necessary yeah right like you're not going to be at like an airport lounge or nothing to eat and there's not going to be like fucking like heroin available right but but they want you to the audience i think because the audience has a fear of becoming fat themselves because they're afraid of being on drugs or whatever the thing is that the comedian's doing uh, projecting this this insecurity that the audience has, they'd rather laugh. They got to like fight, yeah, yep, yep, and yep. be like, "Oh yeah, keep killing yourself, and I'll laugh about it, and I I will feel moderately better about myself today." Yeah, yeah and I think totally. kind of my rebellion has become um, from what it used to be, where like we were talking about earlier, trying to burn a bridge or push someone away, to actually the opposite, and and take on that uncool stance of being like, "I'm working on myself." And yeah. And it and once again, this would be great for tragic battle. This would be so good. Be like, I'm so fat because I'm hurting inside and trying to get better. Like yeah. oh, the show, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's really, it's really interesting. Yeah, and and I don't know, you know, uh, like a lot of these, like so much of self help is like a scam, but like also. Yeah, just being like, oh, I'm going to be confident, like, believe in myself. Like, why is that a, that shouldn't be a bad thing. But I even thought that when I was like, well, I'm back to comedy. So I guess I go back to like being depressed and talking about like what a piece of shit I am, which maybe if you can detach enough to, you know, talk about those feelings without actually making yourself like get to a place where you're so confident you can talk about those feelings without completely having them like, um, you know, inside you. But, but yeah, I had that thought where I'm like, yeah, time to be like the sad guy again. It's like, well, I feel like I've done a lot of really healthy work on myself where I'm, where I'm much happier and I walk around with, with, with with more confidence. Uh, I I don't want that to go away just because I'm like time to be everyone's like fucking like funny friend. Right. The lie that everybody believes or tells themselves is that it's brave to go on stage and admit all your insecurities which and, it, it is but but it's but it's brave if you're doing it in a way that like you're not just deflecting them you know yes and most of the time you see somebody go up there and they're just like looking for validation for their own self-destructive yeah. behavior oh my god totally uh, yeah you can't quit drinking if like your audience is buying you shots every every day right. and like um yeah i validate this like everybody laughs yeah yeah that was really brave of me and and i totally thought about that i was like you know when we were talking earlier i was like oh maybe i should write a bit about like how like drinking fixed me like it was like the anti-sober like getting sober fucked me up and and i was like oh yeah that that'll be a lot of validation if like drinking (laughs) becomes a problem you know what i mean yeah 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 it's yeah it's human nature to to do that to 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 our brain man addict brain comic brain very self-destructive very because you're smart so it's good at rationalizing like here's why you can do this thing you're not supposed to do and you go that is a good idea brain and then you do it yeah um i do that all the time i've done it with food i've done it with alcohol i've done it with you know everything um but but i mean it 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 does it kind of like just to to bring the point back up i'm thinking about it and i'm like you know what no one's ever said that guy was brutally honest when he was just talking about how he's done well and yeah you know, yeah yeah, yeah. Like, well, oh I, he's brutally honest when he's telling you about like the worst things he's done what about like just being brutally honest but having but but being brutally honest about yeah, working well, like, on you, yourself they can also talk about you know now that i've started listening to like now that they're not uh constantly calling me uh, a faggot uh i've started listening to club comics again and like they're they're 
a lot of their podcasts and stuff like that. I was like hearing people, yeah, openly talk about like succeeding um, while also talking about their 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 flaws is so great. You know, like mm-hmm. like Burr when when he gives advice, he sounds like a self help guy sometimes. Yeah, and I mean that in the most positive way. Yeah, yeah, and like. It's fucking Bill Burr. Like, who would have th- would you have thought that at the, at the clubs no. like ten years ago? Yeah. And he's like, "Fucking get off your ass and go do something if you want to fix it." And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, all right, I'll do that." Whereas, like, I, I I saw him get a donut thrown at him at comics while he was screaming at them about having to go back to their cubicles the next day. And I will never forget this line where he just goes, "While your boss just dangles health insurance over your cubicle wall for you," and you're like, Meh, like reaching for it, and it was so good. And yeah, this guy threw a donut at him. Uh, Oh, and great. I had to audition for comics. Uh, I was next. Um, oh. And I was backstage. And it was right after the Philly incident where uh-huh. he got incredibly famous, more famous for tearing into a stadium full of people. And I show up to comics like that week. And I was like so nervous. It was like one of my first club auditions. And they're like, all right, you're going to go up after Bill Burr and just flashing back to him in Philly being like seven minutes. And, and yeah. But I was like, well, it's not like that's his thing anymore. Sure enough, five minutes in, <laughs> fucking health insurance, donut, and then I was next. How'd that go? Did you get, the, get I, through that? I, I did get through, but I believe it was Gina Savage, and then she oh, yeah. left. Um, <laughs> so that happened. Anytime yeah. I shockingly got passed at a club, that the, the guy too. who liked me would leave, or yeah. the girl who liked me would leave, yeah. So I guess we should probably get uh, everybody up to speed to, you kept mentioning uh, Scandal, what the Scandal was. Oh man, do we still talk about that? I think because we've talked about it we yeah, yeah, yeah clarify it um yeah so i mean god i uh, i usually don't have to intro it uh hold on let me let me figure out uh this is like my new comedy intro instead of like this guy's been on conan um <laughs> yeah well i mean um yeah. yeah i mean i was very much in the sort of like pc call people out for you know including comics um for you know sexism and and stuff like that and i was so removed from comedy for so long that i i I just assumed everyone who you know made a a a joke like that was like a hateful bigot because again going back to what we were talking about because i felt like i failed at comedy i was like i had to just push myself as far away from them as possible sure yeah you put you know what else i think you needed something that could feed your ego. Mm-hmm. I think you were high on ego and you found a community that let you be a leader. Totally. And, but because again, at the core, the things that I stood for, again, the, 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 the macro um, was good, right? Like sexism is bad. Institutional racism is bad. Um, all these things are bad. Does that mean that, you know, the comic who used the word Indian or whatever, that's just an example, is like as bad as like David Duke? It's like, no. But when you're progressive on Twitter, you're just looking to just tear people down all day. And so, you know, that that's why a lot of comics uh, stop liking me. And... Um, and then, yeah, I just got, uh, I got bit in the ass by it. You're in comedy for reasons that probably stem from your childhood. You wound up very insecure Mm -hmm. when you didn't need to be. Like I told you, like my first impressions of you were 
cool, smart, funny. Was that just because you were more insecure, though? Did we have like a little ladder of it? Maybe. <laughs> no, but I remember seeing you at the Underground Lounge and being like, oh, wow, this guy's great. But it didn't matter because you didn't see yourself that way. You had your own insecurities. And then because of your insecurities, you wound up pushing people away. Because you pushed them away, you got mad at them for not liking you. Yep. And then you decide, oh, I'm, I'm going to attack them back, yep. even though you were the- Dude, I would always do that. <laughs> if I, like, I got injured the other day doing jujitsu. Uh-huh. And so I was like, I can't train this week. And instead of being like, oh, I can't train this week. Like, I should do other exercises and stuff. Uh, I was just like, fuck jujitsu. And then, like, yesterday, like, ordered a pizza and, like, ate it. Like, where it's like, why can't I just be moderate? Why Mm -hmm. can't I just be like, oh, yeah, I'll rest and, like, you know, stay healthy and and all that stuff. Uh, And then on Monday, start jujitsu again. Yeah. But I was just like, fuck that. Yeah. Why am I doing that? Why am I doing it like three hours during the day? And it's just like, dude, just deal with the pain that you're bummed out. You can't fucking do jujitsu for a week. Like it's not that big a deal where you have to throw the entire sport under the fucking bus. Anyway, back to the thing you had alienated yourself from the comedy world. You were into this progressive world. Well, and then, you know, that, that kind of happened to me where, um, um, and an ex of mine, um, who didn't, you know, we we broke up years ago, and um, you know, she was really upset. Kind of launched a uh, a, a thing, a campaign uh, against me, and because I was known as like a a male feminist, and like was hailed that way, which was partially my fault as well. Um, you know these articles that were written about me, it's like that, that part of the left, a lot of people on it would call like a one night, a a very consensual one night stand on the road, uh, predatory, right? Because they were like a fan of yours or, um, a relationship that didn't end well, um, you know, mentally abusive because we were supposed to be together and we weren't, um, and stuff like that. And so, so, so the actual thing that happened, just to clarify, is yeah, I should not be in charge of setting that up because <laughs> I'm you, like, you, you were, were you married to Allison? Mm-hmm. You guys were married, and what was not in that article is we were in an open relationship. You were in an open relationship. So, there was we, so much that that was in I, that article. And then, that sure, wasn't. there's it gets very complicated in any relationship. But you were in a relationship with this woman who you also hosted a podcast for with, mm-hmm. which was a liberal progressive podcast. Yeah, yeah, it was very left of left. It was like we were the the ones that if you know anything good happened, we would find a way to be like, but here's why it's bad. You right, know what right. I mean? Here's why you should still feel bad. That was kind of... <laughs> That's like your uh, idea did. for the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. But and it was like, oh, you so, guys like The Daily Show? Well, here's why it's bad. Or you like yeah. Cory Booker? Here's why he's actually a sellout and you so, shouldn't be happy. So you had no allies. Pretty much you pushed everyone. You found a platform to be celebrated in yeah. pushing people away, which right. is what you well, were... And I also used to say... Um, you know, I also used to say that, you know, what was great about the show is like, I can, we can never be fired. Um, I remember I would joke to friends off the air. I think I like tried to say this on Rogan show, but like, it just came out of nowhere. It was really weird, but I still find it funny. I would say this to friends where, you know, cause uh, my marriage was very much like a, a, it was a friendship and a partnership. And, you know, there were years where, you know, if, if temptation was presented on the road, uh, having to, to walk away from that. And I remember like I would go back to the hotel room 
to like jerk off and it would be like like uh like doubly as sweet it would be like a double orgasm because like one you get to come but two as i came i would be like i saved citizen radio like i didn't do it like i didn't cheat you know and uh-huh. i would feel all proud of myself and uh, now the story is still weird to tell it wasn't broken <laughs> it was a, it's a weird story and but but i i i would you know, I, I, I would, so I, yeah, I, I didn't think I could get fired, but the problem is, yeah, I burned every bridge so bad with comedy and was part of a, was part of that culture that, you know, sort of will, will just keep moving the line of like, what's offensive and what we get right. offended by or, or what's sexism or what's, you know, racism or transphobia and stuff like that. And, you know, we literally would get emails that said, like, when you defended a, a trans person and called them an idiot that was ableist or called uh, the transphobe an idiot that was ableist. And I'm like, so I was doing the right thing defending a trans person, but I used the word idiot and I couldn't say on the air. You were like, in a situation where you couldn't win because you built a following of people who wanted to tear down people. And again, to and be clear, I was part of that. Yes. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Like I, I, I helped it. But, and I got off on it, and I think people got off on me going after people, and then I got off on that. You know. But doing, ultimately, like if you were part of an organism of tearing people down, and you thought I have control of it, and ultimately it tore you down mm-hmm. because that's and, what it and, was, and quickly. Um, and you'd also alienated everybody else. Yeah, but uh, here's the difference between, I mean, the difference between comics and that sort of world of like progressives is like, if you read the stuff that was written about me, um, a lot of it's not true. First of all, that was fucking crazy. I was suicidal, so I didn't read the articles. Um. I didn't read the articles, but before I did Stanhope show, I was like, I should fucking suck it up and read this article because I'm going to have to talk about it. What did you find out? What did it say? Uh, mostly things that weren't true. <laughs> like, such as and, what? Like what were some of the things well, being said? So like, uh, and, and again, I don't want to come out of, you know, hiding and, and sound like a fucking men's rights activist. And like, um, I... I don't want, well, here, uh, like, I, I, I don't want to start, like, attacking women. Uh, but I will say, let's talk about, we can, like, talk about the article, for example. So, like, I mean, it, it, it was just stuff like, like, who, per, I, I don't even want to get into that. A lot of it is, is very false. Um, okay. But an example to, um, an example of, like, the journalism, right? Like, we can talk about the journalism without, um like bashing like women, like one of the things written was like um, a woman who was like, you know, talking about how we had like a really great night and she felt really safe and trusted and all this stuff. And then it was like, and a, but then a week later uh, he said on his podcast that I was a road fuck. And then in parentheses, Jezebel wrote, uh, Jezebel could not find the quote. And it's like, right, you fucking dum-dums, because it doesn't exist, because I wouldn't use the word road fuck on a feminist podcast that I host with my wife, Um, who, again, we're in an open relationship, but we don't fucking talk about it, because the whole relationship was, like, fucking weird, and we were just trying to make it work. Um, So, essentially, I was in this weird, creepy, like, we didn't talk about the open relationship, so we, we eventually talked about it on the air. But, like, that is a... I said this the other day, where it's like... Try try picking up a girl at a bar when they go, "Are you in a relationship?" And you go, "I'm in a secret open relationship." Like you mm-hmm. sound like a fucking liar, right? And uh, so anyway, so 
But yeah, no, I would never say that. I I, I never thought of it like that. I'm like, I, I, I've always wanted a relationships. I don't want to be like one night road fuck guy anyway. But that was enough that my point is, if you read this article, which is supposed to be the worst of the worst, and you assumed all of it was true, it is still not close to uh, like abuse or predatory or anything worse than most comics have talked right. about on stage. So with that said, a lot of people didn't read the article and um, they give you the opposite of the benefit of the doubt. Well, but also clickbait being clickbait. It's like when you just see like a name and sexual misconduct, it's and like, that's that also does the sound culture like that a, it is now. Yeah. So it's just like, Oh, just throw another name in there. It's, yeah. I'm sure that's true. And it's, and, and it's like what, you know, what, what, what uh, what George Bush did is like not as bad as what Harvey wants. I mean, it shouldn't be a competition, but like there are rapists and there are predators, and then there are, you know, I, I think if you like ask a girl out that you like work with, and she says no, and you go, oh sorry, <laughs> like yeah. uh, I, that's that's not. That's not predatory if you're using your position of power to be like you have to do this, yeah. right? Like it's like okay, um, but any, I mean. The bottom line is that because I don't want to tell, I also don't want to like tell like women like like this is how you should feel, right? But the bottom line is that um, a lot of it was bullshit. Even if you read it, it's like it's it, it's stuff that comics would talk about on stage. The the um, interesting thing, by the way, is to me that even if you were a hundred percent guilty of everything you were accused of, and I don't know everything you were accused of, but even if you were. Why do we live in a society where there's no coming back from that for the rest of your life? You know, like, why can't, why do you have to, like, why can't anybody ever be wrong, do something wrong, and move past it well, and, and and reform themselves? So this goes back to what you were saying. And, and, and again, just to be very clear, um, I was not accused. Like, there, there, there weren't accusations. There's nothing to, there's nothing that, yeah. Um, just, you, I mean, you can do the research. It's, it's fucking insane. Well, I'm sorry if I missed. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. It, right? Um, no, 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 you didn't. I, I, it's just so nuts. And especially with like, not a great time to come out with this whole Weinstein thing, but the show was already booked and I was like, fuck. Um, yeah. and, and you know, we should be rooting for people like that to be like taken down. Right. But what I was going to say was, um, what did you say? I was saying, why can't people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing you were saying on stage when you talk about like having an addiction and wanting to get better, where it's like we, myself included, love to sort of shame people out of town so we can feel better about ourselves, right? So like there's someone who repeatedly like goes after me. I've never met the guy. We used to be like Twitter buddies. And uh, and it's just like, wow, you were coming after me like you're avenging your slain parents. Like you're like Bruce Wayneing me. And it's like, oh, but you've been called sexist a lot. Mm-hmm. So you get to go, ah, look, look, yeah. look at that guy, right? And like, it's a lot of deflecting. Well, that's what I would do. I was just yeah. like miserable and depressed and whatever. But you would like take someone down and then be like, oh, what? He's back. Let's go get him. Yeah. Um, and you'd get your little like Twitter mob and you'd feel like a little cop um, with your little hat and your uniform. Right. And, and then you'd take someone out not thinking about if they had a family or, and I'm not talking about bad people. Like, again, like Harvey Weinstein should. <laughs> Probably, I mean, should be in jail right now if this stuff is true, um, which is very much sounding like it is. Yeah, I mean, once but, once you get to a point of like raping people, I'm not talking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but like the person who like makes a dumb joke on Twitter, and then all of us celebrate because we're like, ha ha, she'll never have a job again. It's like, ugh, 
God, like we are not doing this for the right reasons. You know what right. I mean? Like we are not doing this because we were truly offended. Like we're doing this because we get to fuck up someone's life vicariously and not see the damage we do. Um, and that's what happens with Twitter mobs. And that's why we right. get excited. And that get- and that happened to you now, which is interesting because it gave you this new empathy. Um, and you wound up, as you said earlier, suicidal. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, my girlfriend saved me. I, I was like pretty sure she was gonna break up with me. She was out of town when all this happened. I mean, I, I, I've been I've been suicidal before. I, I was in New York and didn't talk about it. Um, uh, but it sounds like you were trapped in a marriage where you were very unhappy, but you were stuck there because of work, and you'd built something that would seem like the only thing you had because you'd alienated everybody else, and you at least had this. And then when that com- fell apart you didn't even have that anymore and everybody who you thought was least your ally turned on you and there was nothing left but and then it confirmed every insecurity you ever had about yourself and what your mom told you and everything else and Mm -hmm. you were like why even continue on yeah and it's horrible yeah because it you know but i mean i think all you can do is like like i'm done feeling sorry for myself and i'm done because i've done dickish things too um, but, and I've, and I've been selfish and, you know, I, I wish I handled, you know, my relationships better and, um, and yeah, that's like that. the but, sobriety but, now that I'm, yeah, but I'm also like, I'm just done being the victim. We're like, uh, one of the reasons I don't like talking about it isn't because like, you know, I mean, it was like the darkest time in my life, but also because like, I don't want to be, I don't want to fucking like play. I don't want to be like, here's how this hurt me. Um, like I just don't want to be that guy anymore. And- In a way, that's important though, because I, as you mentioned, I think like people aren't seeing the repercussions of what's going on, and everybody is on some kind of high horse of like moral police. And, yeah, but and- in a way, they're also now becoming the immoral one. Yeah, and I was again. <laughs> like very much part of that. We're like, yeah, just a writer would write something. And it was like, get him fired. It's like, holy shit. Everybody yeah. has to calm down and, and, and really like start thinking about like, start thinking about other people. Um, and everyone's going through so much shit. Everyone's going through so much shit. Yeah. And if people, when I started spending as much time, like trying to work on myself and my relationship and, you know, and my family, like being off social media, dude, like my family's like, this is the first time you've been present with us. Um, you know, like my girlfriend's awesome. Um, I, I, I spend every day being like, how can I, and this sounds like such garbage, but I'm like, how can I make people's lives better? Like, how can I make my girlfriend's like day to day? Like, how can I like, what am I grateful for? Like shit like that. And that's how I like start the day. I never did that before. And I feel like if if people could spend as much time working on themselves as they do, it's just like fucking the time I spent just shitting on other people and like trying to fucking poke holes and being jealous and resentful and like, oh my God, dude, like I could have been in like some foreign country building houses. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Well, it's just, you, you, you did, you were very prolific with negative energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you can reverse that. Comedy. That's, that's the same thing, though. I mean, you can, if you have that much passion, you can turn it uh, to good as well. Yeah. Which I think is where you're at right now, which is exciting. I shall try. All right, let's move into this philosopher. 
The philosopher that Alex picked out for you is Thomas Jefferson. Oh, damn. I think we've heard of him. Yep. But what do we know about him? I know that he was. I know that he was a slave him. owner. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy. He's on Mount Rushmore, isn't he? Mm, you. Got, this is when like you're gonna go from like, hey man, you got to stop calling yourself stupid to being like you're fucking stupid. No, I. I, I don't know much about him. Book, book smarts. All. All this. Like I. I always got jealous of like my brother. I always thought smart people were the ones who could be like, well, it's like John F. Kennedy said, and like just rattle off that quote of like, uh-huh. like man, dates, names, like that kind of stuff. I'm just like garbage way i can't remember him either but i'm well let's find out about him let's just know slave owner famous (laughs) philosopher thomas jefferson slave own slaves that's been the episode but all right so here's what alex says you guys have in common he says because jamie is an activist i picked a political philosopher also because he's a musician Mm. and this philosopher was a character in a musical oh nice so okay, what cool. did Thomas Jefferson play in a musical uh, that he made his slave set up the stage for? <laughs> I, I'm guessing the musical would probably be Hamilton. Yeah. Um that he's a character, and I haven't seen it. But, oh, I get it. But um, I saw Hamilton a bunch. Yeah, it's great. Did you? Yeah. Is he in it? Um, Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson. He uh, he haunts the theater. Okay. All right. um, him and his many slaves. You can hear the bells ringing underneath. <laughs> really? The, underneath the theater. Um, only for the New York production. If you are seen it in L.A., you missed out. You missed out on Thomas Jefferson's slave ghosts. I <laughs> activist, dude. Ever since all this happened, I was like, hey, I guess I can finally stop watching the fucking news, and I don't know what's going on, and it's the best. I think this is another, I used to just scream at people on the podcast for like being apathetic and whatever. I don't give a fuck anymore because one, nothing I did worked, but also I'm a better person now. I literally spend my day-to-day life being a better person. Whereas I was such a self-righteous dick before and when I knew everything and I'd be like, oh, you don't know this or whatever. And again, projection for feeling like a dummy in high school. But mm. I I don't know what's going on when people are like, there's going to be a fucking war with North Korea. I'm like, not for me because I didn't wake up and read CNN.com. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'm like, I'm just going to play with my cat yeah. for an hour and like, I'm, I probably won't see a North Korean all day. Um, I'm just going to fucking <laughs> hang out and it's going to be fine and lovely. And yeah, everything's been good. I haven't seen uh, Donald Trump. I haven't seen, I'm a white guy. I, I feel I like if I was Mexican, I, you know, I'd be like, I should watch the TV for the warning of sure. when I need to like head to the tunnels, you yeah, know, yeah. but uh white guy, I'll fucking pull that card. Well, you know what? I'd say you're still an activist, but maybe in a more powerful way. Now I think you're bring you're, down women. Well, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're working on yourself. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think that's the activism that works the best is when people start by working on themselves. Oh, Jesus and, Christ. You have to, man. And, uh, and, and so maybe now you're truly an activist, whereas uh-huh. before you were telling people you were. That was uh, some philosophical shit right there. Oh. Just like <laughs> T. Miss Jefferson. <laughs> T. Jeff. T. Jeff. So he lived from April 13th, 1743 to July 4th, 1826. Damn. He was an American statesman, one of the founding fathers of the United States, and the principal author of the Declaration of Independence. That's that's a good credit. Yeah. that's a, <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> he later served as the third president of the United States, from 1801 to 1809. Previously, he was elected to the second vice president of the United States, serving under John Adams from 1797 to 1801. A prominent democracy, republicanism, and individual rights motivating American colonists to break from Great Britain and form a new nation. He produced formative documents and decisions at both the state and national level. He was a landowner and a farmer. So there's a little bit about him. Nice. Did, did you know Lin-Manuel Miranda? 
Um, sorry. <laughs> the yeah, it's a lot, man. Yeah, busy guy. How, how old was he? How much? Like how, what, when like he died? When he, yeah, like how much mm. of that shit did he get done? Because back then, didn't you just live to like twenty? Well, no, I guess he he probably he was old, right? Yeah. What what's forty three to seventeen forty three to eighteen twenty six? I I'm terrible at math. Well, it'll be so, uh, it'll be like this will be like an episode of Serial. It sounds like next week something. to find out. Oh, know? so he was old as shit. I would think because let's round up forty three to fifty. That's fifty years to eighteen hundred. Yeah. Uh, tw- and then twenty six years would make him seventy six. Well, I don't know if people. Uh, I, I don't know if people know this. My one Thomas Jefferson fun fact is the last twenty years, uh, two of his slaves were just weekend at Bernie's, Bernie's in him. <laughs> they were just propping him up, and uh, they were actually the ones who <laughs> did a lot of those accomplishments. <laughs> you guys don't remember the pictures of him with like a Hawaiian shirt on and two of his slaves? So like, guys, his arms were black. Did you not notice his arms were black? Come on, people. Uh, here's the synopsis on what Jefferson said philosophically he said human nature is good boy I love having slaves it's really hard to get past and listen to someone's accomplishments when you open with like dude had slaves and like there's gonna be some brilliant shit in here yeah and all I hear is just like I owned black people yeah well I wonder uh, let's let's put it aside the slave owning for a minute we'll separate the the man from the scandal yeah Yeah. (laughs) bring it back um yeah just to let's see what he said even if he didn't live it you know it's interesting because like you know i i was always a big john lennon fan and then all this his stuff, slavery yeah his slave issues. <laughs> but he had you know all these things that came out against him and oh yeah you know that he was violent and he was abusive to women and all this stuff and i, was, I still think the message he put out to the world was a good one it's so hard does that go back to that like what we were talking about though where it's like a lot of activists, it's like, yo, are you just projecting? Right. Where it's like, is this the stuff you want to do? It's the or idealized like, self, do? you know? Yeah. It's so dark. It's so dark when you think about that shit. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time you find people who want so badly for the world to be good, but they can't do it themselves. Right. That's why I think the best activism is working on yourself. Yeah. Well, and then you just like legitimately put it out there instead of just this like facade, this preachy right. facade in my case. Yeah. Well, let's hear his preachy facade. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Good segue. He says, human nature is good, provided we live with scientific logic. The building block of a nation is a citizen. So for the whole to be free, the individual must also. And then he said, I said mint tea and slammed his fist down. It's so interesting. Now it's about individuals being free i know okay individual liberty is our national state because no man is better than any other yeah this really does feel like uh really is flying in the face of uh but it's so because that's that's great you know the slaves overheard him like proofreading this and they're like do you do you know what you're saying there he he was like (laughs) mint tea (laughs) um yeah dude that's so wild Cognitive dissonance is is it's strong. Yeah. So he says tyranny assumes your freedom is worth more than another. Do you think one of his like white buddies was like, you should stop using the word freedom? Like <laughs> just like be a little a little more coy. I feel like he probably in his own mind thought that he was the liberal slave owner. Dude, I swear to God, that's such a good point. Where he was like, "No, I'm the good one." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like cool dad." Like yeah. they, they like hang out slept with me. With his slaves, I think. He yeah, had some kids with them, so maybe he was like. Which also, like a lot of that was like probably rape, right? Like, um, 
or or maybe he just felt like I'm I. They all think I'm a slave owner, but I'm just like pretty much housing all these people and treating them great and right, having right, sex right. with them and and fathering children yeah, because I'm so liberal. I they have get to, mixed race kids and they, they get to fuck this. Ah, I'm I so don't know. liberal. Yeah, it's like the fucking like like yuppie. Uh, like bougie white couple who like adopts a black kid so they don't have to feel racist anymore when they like cross the street in a bad neighborhood. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know much about him. I love that you think getting to have sex with Thomas Jefferson was one of the perks. No, I think he thinks it was a perk. Oh, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you like power, yeah, I guess. I think he must have thought, hey, like I'm an elite. A white person who runs this country, yeah, yeah, and I'm willing to lower myself, so to speak, as to sleep with slaves. Oof. Like, but I'm guessing that's probably how he thought saw it. Like, I'm so, I'm so beyond all this that I see people as people, and I can have sex with them. You know, that's the first. Yeah, I don't see color. Yeah, I'll fuck anyone. How am I racist? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm I'm guessing because if this is what he believed, then you know you. Your brain tries to correct the lie. Yeah, somehow, well, that's you know? that's what we were talking about. Where it's like, I, I, you know, how many people in the world do you like think, like, just know, like, yeah, I'm evil. Probably not many. You know what I mean? Like, I remember my grandparents, like, they were so good to me when I was a kid, and then when I became a teenager, I just found out like how conservative they got, and when I was touring around and living out of my car, I was like, because I avoided them, but I was like, well, I need a place to sleep in Seattle. So I went to crash with them. And yeah, I walked in and there were pictures of my grandmother with George Bush. There are pictures of my grandfather with Pat Robertson. Like that's how fucking nuts it is. Like they would just go to these fundraisers and stuff like that. And I was just like, I was, I was in it. I was like in the like fucking preachy, you know, mode. I was like, time to take out the trash, even though they were like <laughs> putting me up in their lovely home. <laughs> and they're your grandparents. And they're my grandparents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was how I thought. And they were wonderful. They were like, um, they were like, they, they, they thought vegan was said vegan. So they kept being like, we're going to make you some vegan food. You know, I thought they were going to like fucking like shove meat down my throat. And it was just so adorable and nice. So we get to the end of the stay and I was like, all right, this is nuts. They're being so lovely. Like I got to bring up the like religion stuff or the, you know, hateful stuff. And I said it in as delicately a way as possible where I was like, you guys put me up. I appreciate it so much. This has been great. Do you really like not like gay people? Like just not, I just didn't get it. And they, they were like, no, oh my God. Is that what you thought? Like, we love gay people. Like, oh my God, like we love them so much. And I was just like, oh, well, but like, what about the church? Like you go to, and they're like, no, they love gay people too. And I was like, oh, well, like what's up with like all the hate speech or whatever. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're trying to save them because we don't want them to go to hell. And it's like, oh, fuck. Like, oh my God. Like, you're not hateful. You're just fucking stupid. Like you just let this place sort of trick you. Like you believe there's a hell. You believe there's like a fiery pit or whatever. And you also believe that being gay isn't real or natural. So you actually think you're saving them. It, it's it's still logical. Whatever it That's is. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like, sa and, you know. and it's still them thinking they're like, they're not like we're evil. 
And to me, everybody's they- following logic that at the end of it, they come out good. Mm-hmm. So everybody's intentions are usually very good. Maybe that's why, going back to what we were saying in the beginning, maybe that's why it's so hard when you're in an argument with your girl just to be like, oh, yeah, I could have done that better or I fucked up, right? Because our logic is trained to be like, we are right all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, everybody's programmed to think they're right and they're doing good. And anybody who disagrees with them is wrong and wants to do bad. And then the other end of the spectrum is then going the opposite way where you're so self-hating that it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's like, well, where's the middle ground? And the middle ground should be like, um, I'm a flawed individual constantly striving to do better, right? Mm -hmm. And people are so closed-minded to try and understand each other because they're afraid that they're going to become bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of people with uh, this like Weinstein stuff where like people who like haven't like raped anyone, but who are just like, oh, they're they're coming after everyone. And like, I asked out Susan in accounts payable. Like, fuck, was that like her husband? You know what I mean? (laughs) And then suddenly they're, you know, so then maybe on Facebook, they're like, hey, is this Harvey Weinstein thing really a big deal? And it's like, well, yes, it is. But also you asking out Susan in accounts payable is not. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's interesting because it's like you, you you start getting glitchy in your head. You're like, I, I'm I know. not bad, you know? Yeah, 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 <laughs> and, yeah. And, and I think it's intimidating for people to even explore these other views because what if it turns out they are Dude, wrong? I have like listened to more like podcasts of people that I like wouldn't agree with or completely blew off. And I was like, when I hear more conservative ideals, I mean, some of them are kind of like, all right, I get that. And then other ones, even when it at least helps me understand where they're coming from, as mm-hmm. opposed to being like, oh, you're just like evil. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's interesting when you know where they're coming from because you're like, you can empathize more. And I think when you can empathize more, you can, you know, start to find some like common ground, you know? And have a dialogue and, and meet people in the middle and, and try and share ideas and, and be. I think everybody is inherently. Not not that everybody is inherently good, but everybody is inherently trying to be good. Yeah, or they have potential. And- Everybody's trying to do the right thing, which is kind of the beauty of the world, that even the most evil people are trying to do the right thing most of the time. Right. And and that's kind of beautiful in a weird way. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, let's go back to, uh, to T-Jeff here. Um, no one can dominate the whole without upsetting the laws of nature. Eventually, subjects revolt, restoring balance. Well, that there is it, what there it is. <laughs> Listen to the will of the people, or you are disrespecting nature. Hmm. Well, so, did you ever like with the whole like Trump thing? Sometimes the will of people is like fucked, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, you gotta look at them individually. I think, I know. and and understand individually why, because you can have three Trump supporters in a room, let's say, Mm. and they're all different supporting for different reasons. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think that like, there is so much wrong with Washington and the media is so fucked up and, you know, things are so bad that when you just get someone who says like, Hey, I'm different. Mm -hmm. People go, okay. Cause I'm poor. And like, hopefully you don't do that wall thing. And you know, like desperation does fucking, does shit to you, man. I'm like, because the fact that politicians can just get away with just lying, it's like, I've said this before, where if somebody tells you, if you're poor and you're trying to survive, uh, you're trying to, you know, 
make a living for you and your family and you get laid off. And uh, the Democrat politician, the guy goes, what can I do to get my job back? And the Democrat goes, okay, uh, first what we have to do is we have to like, we have to clean up these elections, right? So we need to get uh, fairer elections. We need to get like money out of uh, the polls. Then what we have to do after that is we have to start like putting more like progressive ideas in order to do that. And they're like, I already don't give a shit. I'm not listening. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the Republican. They're like, what do I do to get my job? And they're like, get the Mexican out. And they're like, all right. (laughs) <laughs> that's easier. I can yeah. see the Mexican and it seems like such a simple solution just to go like boop and like pick right. them up and put them over a wall. Um, whereas the other shit in reality is very complicated. Um, and the fact that the media, when someone lies, doesn't just go, Oh, that's not true. That's not going to fix it. Yeah. Um, because they don't want to seem biased or they're too biased. Right. Right. Like there's no just ob- uh, objectivity. And so, so people don't know, and they're legitimately told that like Republicans want to lower your taxes, and they're like, you know what? If my taxes, I was I was in that weird bracket before everything went awry, where I was like making enough money to get fucked by the government, but like not enough money to like be rich, you know? Mm-hmm. And about what a small business owner makes, right? And I was like, oh, I get it. I get what these small business owners are saying because mm-hmm. when they hear tax breaks for the rich, they think they're rich and they're not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When they hear that like, you know, the people who are getting the tax breaks are like the people with private planes. We don't see them. Even when you fly first class, we don't see them. Um, And yeah, so uh, I was like, I get it. Like under Obamacare, like my health insurance is fucked. It's completely fucked. And then I like lost it without knowing. I went into the emergency room yesterday and I think I owe a thousand dollars for them essentially giving me a banana and bandaging my head. <laughs> and like it's, it's, yeah, it's I know. completely fucked. Um, but it's also like, I don't want people with pre existing conditions not to get covered. And right. so if that's what it took, it's like, ugh, it's tough. It's, it's tough. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I mean, like it's easy to villainize everybody and be like, oh, they're a Trump supporter or this or that. I don't do that. Uh, I first of all, I don't support any of them. I I never f- figured out how how to yeah how to get behind a politician. But I it's not I, fun. I just also know that everybody's coming from different ideals and hopefully coming from a good place. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so we have a paragraph here. Would you uh, do the honors? For yes. Uh, Truth will do well enough uh, if left to shift for herself. She seldom has received aid from the power of great men to whom she is rarely known and seldom welcome. She has no need of force for entrance into the minds of men. Error indeed has often prevailed by the assistance of power. Truth is the proper antagonist to error. Deep. Oh, boy. I didn't get much of that. Oh, good. Me neither. When I read shit, the whole time I was like, I hope he's getting this. No. <laughs> I, I was just like, I was like saying it right. Truth will do well enough if left to shift for herself. Truth. Just let truth speak for itself, right? Oh, yeah, I think that's that. Truth is the proper antagonist to error. Yeah. I just read the beginning and end. I think that's what it is. Okay. And fancy words in between. So the first line is, if you let truth be, it'll speak for itself, right? Yeah. Um, she seldom has received aid from the power of great men who she is rarely known and seldom welcome. She so, is truth, correct? She is truth. Great. That's all pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like hard, but it should prevail. Yeah. Truth has no need of force for entrance into the minds of men. Yeah, you don't. You shouldn't have to force the truth into people. People be, know the truth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, I like this. Yeah. Error indeed has often prevailed by the assistance of power. So I think when people try to, powerful people try to push truth, they're they're changing the truth. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what that means. That's the error. Yep. 
and then truth is the proper antagonist to error. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's its enemy. It's the solution that counters it. Yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting piece, just about how I think people inherently know the truth, and then it kind of goes back to what we were talking about about yeah. how people try to manipulate the truth to serve a purpose. And to Powerful feel better. people. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we have three quotes. Um, would you read the first quote for us? Okay. Uh, the tree of liberty must be refreshed with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It's fucking the aggressive. Yeah. The tree of liberty must be refreshed with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Does that just mean like for liberty to prevail? People need to die? Patriots and tyrants need to like fuck each other up? I don't know what that means. The tree of liberty must be refreshed. I think it, I think that's just a statement telling people to um, like give their life for their country. Oh yeah, maybe, dude. Whenever I that's why I can't read like old books. I don't know. I, I, I might d- be totally I misinterpreting don't it. Get metaphor at all? When I started reading books like com like funny stuff, and, like I was just like, <laughs> oh, I like know how to read. I was yeah. so dumb. All right, but I think the tree. I just cut the tree out of it. I just go. Liberty must, must be, be refreshed, refreshed with the blood of patriots. The blood of patriots and tyrants. Uh, or like good and evil, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess I guess that's oh, that's interesting. That's probably what it is. It's probably for there to be liberty every now and then people have to go at it and the truth has yeah, to come yeah. out. Okay. That might be it. I think that's it. Uh all right. The next one is the whole art of government consists in the art of being honest. Well, it doesn't, but it should. Yeah. That would be the ideal. Well, that's what we were talking about before, where it's like, yeah, if you were just honest, and it's like, here's what I'm going to do, here's what I stand for, as opposed to just like bullshit to try to trick poor people. Mm-hmm. You know? um, ooh, this one's good. You want the last one? Yes. Okay. Power is not alluring uh, alluring to pure minds. It's ah. fucking great. That's great. Also, was that a little self-aware? Yeah. That's right? interesting. That kind of speaks to where you were at. Well, and also like what we were talking, yes. And also what we were talking about with like that, like, well, I can't do it, but I'll tell these people to do it. So I feel better. You know what I mean? Right, like you're right. saying that you're the president, so you have power. Right. Maybe that's you what know I'm saying. how that's flawed you are. Yeah. Where yeah. you were at when you were uh, running that, uh, the podcast mm-hmm. and you were looking for power because your mind was not pure. Yep. <laughs> it's been heavy. Yeah. And it's like red as the weeds wearing off too. And I was like, yeah, my mind's not pure. All right, Danny, bye. <laughs> Time to get into my car and take a solemn drive by myself. <laughs> I hope I didn't leave you off feeling no, bad great. for real. <laughs> this was so cathartic. And like, I honestly, I'm like, I don't know what I said, but I know I said a lot. And uh, I just hope your audience is nice. And this doesn't bite me in the ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope so too. I think they're nice. I like them. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Um, and uh, I'm look, sorry man. I can't promote it on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Are you really off all the social media? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's probably good. I'm like, I'm going to start a show, I think. Um, so I'm like trying to figure out how off it i can stay um it's weird not i feel like i should like play I'll, I'll definitely post videos in the future again which is youtube.com slash jamie kilstein comments disabled motherfuckers um <laughs> but yeah i was just i've just been so much healthier since i've been off social media but i'm yeah. also like wow well, if i start a show again it feeds into the ego too i feel like oh i just sit there refreshing it yeah yeah even when i would say things that were like what things that looked very like powerful and heartfelt i was still just like click click who liked it what celebrity favorited it like it was awful 
Well, yeah. I still think that you're a very funny, very sweet person. Well, you are too, buddy. And uh, We got to do the show. <laughs> we have to do the show in LA. I know you know a venue. We can do that. I, I do not. And uh, look, look, I'm really happy you're back in comedy, and this time with fresh new eyes. And yeah. Oh, I didn't say this, where all of the sort of progressives who were like, take care of each other, uh, none of them reached out to see if I was okay. I think one did, um, but a bunch of comics did. And that was after I spent years shitting on comedy. You know what I mean? From yeah. like you to Stan Hope. Um, and, and and it was, uh, you know, it said a lot about sort of the way I, I demonized a lot of these comics in my head because, you know, I failed or whatever. Um, but it was like, nope, we're just a bunch of broken people. And, you know, we still have each other's backs. And that was a cool. And, and I've, I've found nothing but that since I've been back, which has been pretty, pretty fucking cool. Well, the good news, by the way, that I've discovered is there is no failing in comedy and there's also no succeeding. Yeah. <laughs> because power is not alluring to pure minds. But it's true. I mean, there's no failing and there's no succeeding in this. I've you just keep going. Come to that conclusion. It's honestly at the end of the day, when you are the pure mind, you realize I'm just here as an artist to create some stuff until I die. Yeah. And hopefully it catches on and helps some people along the way. And that's it. Be funny, be nice, keep going. But all the other stuff is bullshit. All the stuff that we were talking about earlier, the the making of a legend and the stories and the oh, kinesins yeah. and all that stuff, that's all bullshit. That's all f wrong. I mean, but it's just it's just about art and everything else is bullshit and totally. ego and and completely it's you know what it is? It's bullshit with money behind it, which is the worst kind of oh bullshit. God, now, everybody today should admit to someone something they did that was wrong. And then make some <laughs> make somebody else laugh. That's I love my, you, Jamie. That's my advice. I love you too, buddy. Thank thanks, you. Thanks for being here. Bye. All right, everybody. That's our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am Danny Lobel. Thanks again to Jamie Kilstein. And I support bringing back Jamie Kilstein. A better, cleaner, more energy efficient Jamie Kilstein to the world. And um, thank you again to our sponsors, Stand Up Records, StandUpRecords.com, and HelloFresh.com. And use my promo code MDP30 and get $30 off your first week of deliveries. You won't regret it. All right, everybody. Check out the website, ModernDayPhilosophers.net, where you can get t-shirts delivered in time for the holidays. We got them. They're wonderful t-shirts and mouse pads and stickers and all kinds of MDP merchandise. My new album, Danny Lobel, The Nicest Boy in Barcelona, and my old album, Danny Lobel, Some Kind of Comedian, are available there for sale, or you can always go to standuprecords.com and pick those up. And more. You can make a donation. Go on iTunes. Leave a nice comment. Five stars. And boost the profile of the show. Go ahead. Why not? Do it. Do it. Help out. Be a supporter of this modern-day philosopher's community, this invisible community that exists that you're a part of. Be a part of what you're a part of, is what I'm saying. Take action. Take action. If there's anything we're saying here, it's take action. Isn't it? Is it? I hope so. Take positive action. That's the mess. Here it is. It's take positive action. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. My comic book will be out soon, and I'll give you information on how to get it. I'm very, very excited about it, and can't wait for you guys to see it. Seasons 1 through 5 are available for sale in the iTunes store. Plenty of great episodes there. Mark Marin, Bill Burr, Aisha Tyler, Carl Reiner, Rick Shapiro. So many come to mind. Go and download those, support the show, and put them in your earbuds and get them in your head. Thank you guys. Until next time. 
Goodbye. So long. Ciao. Adios.